today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. Open our hearts, change us from within by the open word. Give us ears to hear your truth and eyes to see the needs around us as we draw. Daniel had to seal his book till the end of time. John is told, keep the book open because the time is at hand. So my question to you tonight is, are you ready for his coming? The one who said, I am coming quickly and my reward is with me to give to everyone according to his word. Are we ready? Because, beloved, soon, and very soon, we're going to see the King. The Apostle John wrote the book of Revelation. In its pages, he is told to leave his book open because the time of the Lord is at hand. In today's message, Pastor David asks the important question, are you ready for Jesus' coming? He has promised to return and says it will happen like a thief in the night. You cannot be prepared in the instant, but must be prepared ahead of time. Do you know Jesus, and have you accepted him as your resurrected Savior? Do you strive to live a life worthy? Are you ready? Now here's Pastor David in the book of Daniel chapter 12, and the book of Revelation, as he continues his message, The Revelation of Jesus Christ. Revelation chapters 4 through 22 are events that are yet to happen. They have not happened yet. They're in the future. That's why they're futurists. Uh, With chapters 4 through 18 in particular, dealing with the seven years of the tribulation and a portion of that dealing with the last three and a half years of the seven years as being the great tribulation. And again, Daniel writes about that great tribulation. Daniel 12, 1, when he speaks about there shall come a time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation. You you say it's going to be worse than the Holocaust? Yes, worse than the Holocaust. It's what Jesus teaches about in Matthew 24, verse 12, when Jesus says, for then there will be great tribulation, such as has not been since the beginning of the world until this time, nor ever shall be. So it's going to be the worst time in the world. There'll never, ever be another time like it. It's going to be the worst of the worst. That's what we call the great tribulation. And again, that's what we look at as the last three and a half years of that seven-year tribulation period. Now, within the camp of the futurists, not all believe in the rapture, and uh, and that's this taking the, the bodily snatching away of believers from the earth. Those uh, who died will rise first, and we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together to meet the Lord in the air. There's different variations on how and what they believe Uh, or even if they believe in the rapture. Some futurists believe in what's called a post-tribulation 
rapture. So in other words, there will be a rapture, but the church will go through all seven years, including the three and a half years of the great tribulation. They are called post-tribulation, premillennial raptures. It, it, the, the titles get longer and longer to fit everybody in. Similar to the viewpoint of the post-tribulation is actually one that is called the partial rapture. Now, the partial rapture, I man, I really find uh, difficult to believe in, and some of my friends believe in that. The partial rapture is, is that Jesus comes back uh, to take his church and says, okay, you're good enough, and you're good enough. Oh, but not you, and not you, but you're good enough, and you're good enough. So I'm going to rapture some of you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tear apart the bride of Christ, and I'm taking some to be with me. The rest of you have to stay here throughout the tribulation, and then you'll come in. I, I find it hard to believe. Then there is the... Uh, the mid-tribulation rapture, I've, that's easier for me to understand than the partial tribulation, but the mid-tribulation, just what it says. The first three and a half years, you're in the beginning of tribulation, but just before the great tribulation happens, the church is taken, raptured out. If you don't know by now, for me, for I think it'd be safe to say the, the greater portion of conservative evangelicals who believe in the rapture, most of them go with a pre-tribulation rapture. We look at Revelation, the chapters 1, chapter 2, and chapter 3 as dealing with what, uh, again, the Word says, the times past, the times present uh, with the believer here on earth, uh, what's called what we're in right now, the church age. And then when John writes in Revelation 1.19, he says that Jesus tells him to write the things which you have seen, past things, the things which are the present things, and the things which will take place after this. And so that really breaks Revelation down into three sections, the times past, the current times for, for John, and, and, and for us, because we're in that current time frame right now, and then the times yet to come. So we see from the beginning, chapter 4, I believe, a symbolic reality of the rapture. Turn over to chapter 4, I'll explain what I'm saying here. Again, the the church being caught up, uh, and this is part of the things that will take place after uh, the end of the church age. Look at chapter 4, verse 1. John writes, after these things, I looked. And behold, a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was like a trumpet. Remember, again, Paul writing about the trumpet of the Lord. A trumpet speaking with me. And yes, there's lots of trumpets in Revelation. I totally understand that. But this trumpet says, come up here, and I will show you things which must take place after this. And then it says, immediately, I was in the Spirit And behold, a throne set in heaven and one who sat on it. I see three things here in those sections of verses. He says it's after these things. After what things? The church age, uh, chapters 2 and 3, the messages to the seven churches of Revelation. After these things. And then the trumpet sound, that's a part of one. But the second thing actually is this come up here, this invite to come up into heaven, and then the fact that immediately he was there. And again, 
uh, when we speak of the snatching away of the church, Paul says, and immediately these things will take place. Now, we look at this, as I said, as kind of a fulfillment of the words from Paul. Keep your place in Revelation. We'll be back there in a moment. But look with me, if you would, uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Should be a very familiar passage with you. Down in verse 13, Paul writing to the church, he says, I don't want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have already passed away, those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus, those who have already passed away. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. But in verse 17, the the phrase caught up uh, in the Latin is um, rapturo. And that's where we get our English word, rapture. So then, once the church is is raptured, that brings about or that marks the beginning of what we know as the tribulation period. Though, as a futurist, yeah, you've got some interpretation issues. You're going to have some problems as a futurist. Number one, you have to balance out as you go through Revelation. Okay, what is truly allegorical? What is truly symbolic, because there are some things that are symbolic. There are some things that are allegorical in there. So you have to balance that out between that, that uh, that again, uh, is is real and true. And you also have to balance it out as, as honestly as you can with the balance of the rest of the Scripture. And when Scripture conflicts with the, the futurist or the pre-tribulation rapturist, you cannot just say, I'm not going to read that part. And, you know, I'm just going to write that out of my Bible or scratch out. No, you've got to honestly look at those things. But I do believe that the futurist view, I do believe that the pre-tribulation rapture of the church is, is to me, the, the best balance of, of any of the other views. Now, Before we get into a study in the book of Revelation, I want to take you on a quick journey tonight. Hopefully you've got your Bibles tonight, or you've got a piece of paper and a pencil that uh, you can write some things down. Uh, One more thing I want to cover tonight is, for lack of a better name for it, it's the Alpha Omega Divinity of Jesus Christ Proclamation. I was going to try and do an acronym, but none of those letters came out to anything. Uh, The Alpha Omega Divinity of Jesus Christ Proclamation. Now, some of you have been here in the past when when I've done this. But for many of you, it'll probably be new. Uh, But even if you've heard it before, there may be some new stuff tonight. Uh, I just encourage you, if you can take notes or if you can... Writing it in your Bible, for me, has actually been the best thing. Because then as I'm reading my Bible, boom, it's, it's right there and it catches my attention. Now, some people really have a hard time with the fact that Jesus Christ is God Almighty. And that God the Father is God Almighty. I mean, how can both of them be God Almighty? Surely, 
God the Father is God Almighty, and the Son is subservient in some form or fashion. But no, the Bible teaches that, again, they are all equal, but Jesus, in the place of authority, again, he does all that the Father asked of him to do. When the Holy Spirit comes, the Holy Spirit is God Almighty, but he doesn't come and speak for himself. He speaks of Jesus. But a lot of people have a real hard time. It doesn't say anywhere in there that there is a trinity. So that's a false doctrine that you guys are teaching. You're teaching uh, multiple gods, and so it's a false doctrine that you're teaching. When in reality, though the word may not be in there, the teaching is all throughout the word of God. Can Jesus really be divine, and yet at the same time, God the Father being the only one true God? Uh, shake your head like this because he can. Now, these aren't all the verses, understand that, that, that deal with the, the subject. But, but for me, it's just a quick little kind of an outline, kind of a helping hand in your own study. So if you can, I encourage you, mark your Bibles. And if you don't, you know the routine. If you don't like writing in your Bible, then lean over and write in the Bible next to you, okay? <laughs> so you want to keep yours pristine, Okay. Start inside the front cover, the very front cover of your Bible. Trust me with this. Simply write somewhere, in, somewhere inside the front cover, Jesus is God Almighty. And then right next to that, write this verse reference. Isaiah 41, 4. In Isaiah 41, 4, and I'm going to allow you time to Turn your Bibles over to there because you're going to need to be at that verse next. Again, the declaration, the statements that are being made is about the greatness, the mightiness of, of who God is. And in verse 4, it says, Who has performed and, and done it, calling all the generations from the beginning? And then there's a response. There's an answer to it. And it says, I, the Lord, am the first And with the last, I am he. Now, if you understand much about your Bible, you understand that when the word Lord is all caps, then really what they've done is they've translated the Hebrew word of Jehovah or Yahweh, and instead of, for whatever reason, not writing Jehovah or not writing the... um, uh, the four letters YHWH, they, they put it Lord and they capitalize it with hopefully the understanding. Okay, so when you look at that, when it says, I the Lord am the first and with the last I am he, who are they talking about? Who is the Lord there? If you're Old Testament, when you look at that, God, God Almighty, Jehovah, okay? It is Jehovah. And, and what does he say about himself? I, Jehovah, I am the what? The first and the last, okay? Now, in your Bible, right next to verse 41, verse 4, write down Revelation 1, 8. And now turn to Revelation chapter 1, verse 8. And what does it say there? It says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord, who is, who was, who is to come, the Almighty. Now, at this point in time, you don't know any better. You look at that. Number one, the word Alpha 
is the first letter of the Greek uh, language. Can you give me a good guess of what omega is? Yeah, the last letter. So I am the first letter. I'm the last letter. Uh, I'm the beginning and the end. And, uh, and who is he talking about here? Well, it's really kind of hard to say from any of the context of any of the surrounding verses, but right there in the verse, it says, says the Lord, and it's different than in the Old Testament. This is a lowercase, but it does say the Almighty. And so I believe that it's very clear, and it becomes a clear understanding, I think, to anybody who's honestly looking at it, that it is God Almighty himself here, Jehovah or Yahweh, because who else is going to call himself Almighty at this point in time? Okay, so now next to Revelation 1.8, which we just looked at, write Revelation 1, 10 through 11, and then look at this. Now John says, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, and I heard behind me a loud voice as of a trumpet saying, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last. So here it is again, Alpha and Omega, but this time a little bit different. Uh, um, Instead of beginning and end, he says, I'm the first and the last. But who is saying this here in Revelation 1, verses 10 and 11? Now, this takes a little bit more investigating, so look down in verses 13 through 18, and I'm just going to read it really quick because you're running out of time. Revelation 1, verse 12, then John turned to see the voice that spoke to him, and having turned, he saw seven golden lampstands, and in the midst of the seven lampstands, who was it? One like the Son of Man clothed with a garment down to his feet, girdled to the chest with a gold bra- golden band, his hair, or his head and his hair were white like wool, as white as snow, his eyes like a flame of fire, his feet were like fine brass, as if refined in the furnace, his voice as the sound of many waters. You could stop right there, and if you had time, you could go back to Ezekiel, and look at Ezekiel's uh, description of God, and suddenly you start seeing, man, there's a lot right there that Ezekiel's saying that God Almighty looks like. But let's move on. He had in his right hand seven stars out of his mouth when a sharp two-edged sword. His countenance was like the sun shining in its strength. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead, but he laid his right hand on me, saying to me, do not be afraid, I am the first and the last. I am he who lives and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. And I have the keys of Hades and death. So you got a few clues in here. Number one, one like the Son of Man. That's a messianic title that was given to Jesus Christ, the Son of Man. And here we read about the one. He's he's calling himself the first and the last. And is it just me, or does that sound a whole lot like being equivalent to the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, that we know that Almighty, the Almighty is? And where else, again, does it say in verse 18, I am he who lives and was dead, and behold, I'm alive forevermore. Now, I don't know of any other one who's capable of meeting all of those qualifications outside of Jesus Christ himself. God the Father never died, never died. You can ask a Jew, you can ask a Jehovah's Witness, God the Father never died, but Jesus died, but is now alive 
forevermore. So next to Revelation 1, verses 10 and 11, go ahead and write verses 12 through 18, because again, you need to pull those together. Then next to verse 18, write Revelation 2, 8. And this is where he speaks. Who brings the message? If you've read Revelation or studied it all, who brings the message to the churches? Jesus himself. Jesus himself is giving the message to the churches. And in verse 8, to the angel of the church of Smyrna write, these things says, again, the first and the last, who was dead and came to life. That pretty well nails it that it's Jesus Christ that's speaking, okay? So now next to 2.8, next to chapter 2, verse 8, write chapter 21, verse 6, and then turn over to chapter 21 and look down in verse 6. And he said to me, somebody said to John, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give to the fountain of the water of life freely to him who thirsts. Okay, so in that passage, it's hard to understand. Who is speaking? Would it be, again, the one that we see in Isaiah, the God, the Almighty, says I'm Alpha and Omega, or could it be Jesus? Again, you've got to look at the context. Looking back up in, in verses 3 through 5, it's pretty easy. It would be really easy to look and say, okay, that's God the Father, God Almighty, that's speaking right there. So, okay, we'll go with that. That's God Almighty. So next to verse 21.6, what we just read, write 22 verses 12 through 13. And behold, I am coming quickly and my reward is with me to give to everyone according to his work. I am the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and last. He's taking them all together there. So who is speaking at that? Who do we know that's coming again to receive us to himself, that where he is, there we will be also. Does John 14 come into play in your mind? I go to prepare a place for you, but if I go, I'll return again to receive you unto myself. He says, I'm coming to give to everyone according to his work. My reward is with me. Guys, it's it's so much in there. But when you tie all those together and just the blending of the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning, the end, the first, and the last, the Almighty, how, again, it is so, just so overlapping. But there's one more thing I want to show you before we close. If you're in Revelation 22, look over in verse 10. And he, the angel, speaking to John, what did he say? Do not seal the words of the prophecy of this book. Why? Because the time is at hand. Daniel had to seal his book till the end of time. John is told, keep the book open because the time is at hand. So my question to you tonight is, are you ready for his coming? The one who said, I am coming quickly and my reward is with me to give to everyone according to his word. Are we ready? Because, beloved, soon and very soon, we're going to see the king. 
That's all we have time to share today, but we're so glad you've joined us. Isn't the Bible a fascinating book to read? There's incredible historical events, crazy scenarios, and a variety of people to keep you intrigued along the way. We hope you'll continue to join us here on The Open Word as Pastor David takes you through the Bible. If what you heard today sparked your interest and you'd like to know more about faith and even who God really is, please contact us. We'd love to talk more with you and share some even more incredible news about your future and the one who can change it, Jesus. Give us a call at 520-836-9676. Again, that's 520-836-9676. If social media is a part of your life, you can connect with us there too. Come like our Facebook page and keep up to date with what's happening at The Open Word and Calvary Chapel Casa Grande. You'll find a link to our website, theopenword.com. Would you like to hear more messages from this series? Here's Pastor David to tell you how. Thanks, Chris. You know, any time you spend in God's Word is valuable. And I'd like to encourage you to do it as often as possible. I know busy schedules can make that hard, but being able to listen to it could just change all that. All of the messages I've shared from the Bible here on The Open Word, they're available to you to listen to online at theopenword.com. Feel free to download them and even share them with anyone you think would benefit. That website again is theopenword.com. Thanks, Pastor David, and thank you for tuning in to The Open Word. Make us more and more.